And uh, next we're going to get lights, professional interview lights. And we'll even be bigger and better. So please excuse us for the delay. And now we'll begin. And for those of you who weren't here last week, we're speaking about forgiveness. And forgiveness is a important topic, and it's not something that is easily done, at least by most of us. And so in this course we're going to do over the next five or ten weeks, it's going to be necessary for me to be extremely repetitive. Because this is not something that we're dealing with theoretically, but this is something we're dealing with practically in our lives. And many of us have a lot of resentment, and it goes very deep. It may even go, may even be there from other lifetimes, as we discussed in past courses. Whatever samskaras or mental impressions are created in one life, unless they're purified, they continue through the next life. So envy, criticism, anger, forgiveness, these are samskars, these are impressions. And when these impressions are there, then different situations stimulate these impressions or connect with these impressions. So it takes time, especially if we've been deeply wounded and we have a lot of anger or resentment towards an individual or an organization. It can take time to understand and deal with the, the, the anger we've kept. Many of us have kept anger for years, lifetimes. I told the story of Daksha. He, he had offended Lord Shiva, and he didn't fully didn't fully give up his enmity. Because he didn't fully give it up, in his next life, he offended Narada Muni. That propensity, that samskar was still there. And it said that if you offend somebody and then you ask for forgiveness, that's not enough. You must also serve that person to be completely free from the offense you made. And any any leftover feelings of resentment. It's important and necessary necessary to serve that person. So Daksha didn't do that. And so so some envy still remained, some resentment still remained in his heart and in his next life. That came out in his relationship with Narada Muni. So these impressions, these samskars, they go very deep. And so Therefore, it's necessary to be a little bit repetitive in what we're going to discuss. I wanted to review a little bit for the benefit of those who weren't here and also for the benefit of those who were here last week just to remind you of a couple important points that we discussed. I, I gave a definition that forgiveness, one definition anyway, forgiveness means to give up all hope for a better past to give up all hope for a better past. Something has happened, we've been hurt, that, that cannot be changed. It's not going to be any different now. So sometimes we're hoping or wishing uh, that it didn't happen that way. And we may tend to live with that experience of the past. 
and that experience of the past can consume us in the present and can affect us in the present. Somebody did something five years ago, ten years ago. We cannot forgive that person, and that's affecting us today. And we look back at that event, and we might think, why did it have to happen? It was the wrong thing. Why did they do that? They shouldn't have done that. It was such a terrible thing. And so, therefore, it is said, forgiveness means to give up all hope for a better past. So that's an important concept. Another important concept we discussed was that forgiveness is a choice. And often, when we feel resentment, we don't really don't really think or feel that we have a choice. So what choice do I have? I've been hurt, and I'm hurt. And that's, that's the end of the story. We do have a choice. We always have a choice how we react. I'm not saying that it's unnatural to be hurt. Until we come to a very elevated platform of Krishna consciousness, we will be hurt. So we're really not talking now so much about not being hurt, but we're talking more about how we react to the hurt. So yes, I may be hurt. Now, I can have, have a lot of resentment for the person who hurt me. Or I can forgive that person. I can, I can let it go. I can drop it. I have that choice. Sometimes it doesn't seem like I have it. Sometimes that choice is difficult. But we actually do have that choice. Krishna has, has always given us freedom to react to any given situation in any number of ways. And, and I often think when I am hurt, I'm in a situation in which I feel I was offended, people didn't act properly, I like to think, well, would every individual in that situation react in the same way that I'm reacting? And objectively, honestly, looking at that question, I have to come to the conclusion that no, not everyone would be as upset as I am. Some people may not be upset at all. They may not even be offended by what happened. They may be, they may just think that what happened was natural. It was people were, the situation, the dynamics of the situation were such that that's how people act in those situations. Uh, and someone else may be more deeply wounded than I was and may carry a grudge, may carry anger towards the individuals who, or individual who hurt them for years, through, perhaps through their whole life. Even, even at the end of their life, they may not be able to forgive that individual. So in that way, we can see different people will, will react differently, and that can help us understand that we can choose, we have control, at least to some degree, over how we react to different situations. We can choose to forgive. We can choose to practice forgiveness. I, I mentioned last week that that when we're, when we're on the level of practice of, of devotional service, particularly on the level of sadhana, bhaiti sadhana, where we're practicing rules and regulations, it's not possible that immediately we can purify ourselves of deep, deeply rooted anger or resentment or long-held grudges or animosity. But at least we can practice not acting on those emotions. We can practice subduing those emotions. We can practice not allowing those emotions to control us. Therefore, I entitled this course Living the Life of Total Forgiveness. It's, it's a practice of living. And then I also mentioned last week that 
in Krishna consciousness, so much of what we're doing on the level of sadhana is a practice. Sadhana means practice. And sadhya means the goal. So we're practicing to reach the goal. So so many things which we're doing are in the form of practice. We're practicing humility. We're practicing self-discipline, sense control. We're practicing tolerance. Therefore, Krishna tells Arjuna to tikshiva, uh, be tolerant. A, a pure devotee is tolerant. A practicing sadaka has to be told to be tolerant because by nature, in the conditioned state, we may not be as tolerant as we should or we need to be. A pure devotee is tatikshuva, he's tolerant. Kurunika, he's merciful. You don't have to tell a pure devotee to be forgiving. By nature, he's kurunika, he's compassionate, he's forgiving, he's loving. That's his nature. So we have to make those choices to live or practice the life of forgiveness, the life of tolerance, the life of humility, the life of self-discipline. It's a practice. It's a choice we make. In any situation we're in, we, we may be, not in any situation, but in many situations, we're confronted with choices. Should I do this or should I do that? Should I choose the, the proper way to think, the proper way to act, or should I go with the pushings and pullings of the mind and senses? We're always making that choice. So the same way forgiveness is a choice. We also made the point, a very, very wonderful point, and, and this, help, this point will help us appreciate the importance of forgiveness, that when we have to forgive somebody, if someone has hurt us, if someone has offended us, if, if someone has done something to us which was not proper, which was unjust, which was inconsiderate, whatever it may be, and then we, we, we in that situation, have the choice of whether or not to practice forgiveness, we can look at that as Krishna's mercy. Why is it Krishna's mercy? Because now we're confronted with an opportunity. We've come to a crossroads. Either I'm going to forgive this person or I'm not. Either I'm going to take the high road or the low road. So if we are offended, then it's an opportunity for us now to practice forgiveness. Whereas if we're not offended, perhaps that opportunity would never be there because we have no issue with anyone. So how can we practice forgiveness in that sense because we've never been hurt or offended? So when we are hurt or offended, when things turn against us, we can think, now Krishna is giving me the opportunity to practice forgiveness. What a, what a wonderful opportunity Krishna is giving me. And if I fail in this situation, I've lost that opportunity to learn how to forgive. And I expressed last week my personal experience that when you learn how to forgive, then what happens in the future or the tendency in the future is that when you are offended or so-called offended, you won't take offense. You won't be upset. Because forgiveness is, is, is such a... It puts you in such a state that it's kind of like you're in a constant state of forgiving. So you, so even if you do get hurt, it's kind of automatic that you would forgive the person because you, you realize that as a devotee, as one practicing Krishna consciousness, I'm meant to be forgiving. It's the quality of a devotee. It's the nature of a devotee. In 
the Bible, Jesus talks a lot about the importance of love, of compassion. And he said, if you are a person of light, meaning a spiritual person, and you hate your brother, your action, or he said, if you're trying to live in the light, but you hate your brother, then you're actually in darkness. In other words, if, if you, you externally are practicing spiritual life, but and you're doing so many religious activities, but simultaneously you act cruelly, cruelly towards your fellow man, then you're actually living in darkness. There's so many, so many ways that Jesus taught his disciples to love, to show compassion and kindness when they wanted to retaliate, retaliate against people who were offending him. He said, no, that's not the way we deal with it. There, there was a story like that with Srila Prabhupada and one devotee, so-called devotee, was caught stealing. And the devotees brought him to Prabhupada and the devotees were very upset about it. And they said, Prabhupada, what should we do? And Prabhupada said, said of course, we should forgive him. At least this time, forgive him. Give him another chance. So that's, that's a natural way a devotee operates. Forgiveness is, we can say, in, to one degree, synonymous with compassion. It's synonymous with affection, love. In the Bhagavatam, Srila Prabhupada says that compassion is the greatest quality of a devotee. He said, because some people practice spiritual life, but they're not compassionate. They're doing it for themselves. So they're, they're renounced they're disciplined, they're self-controlled, but they're motivated to do that for their own liberation. And Srila Prabhupada said that the highest spiritualist has compassion. He doesn't want only to be purified or liberated himself. He wants other people to be liberated. So if we look at that and we say, okay, here is the essence Here's the essence of the quality of a sadhu, of a saintly person. It's his compassion. Then what are the elements of that compassion? So we, we can look at some things. We look at, we look at the negatives, criticism, envy, resentment, anger, harshness. These, these are qualities which Krishna describes in the Gita as qualities uh, which are demoniac. So, so naturally you, you understand or you imagine just intuitively that a saintly person, a sadhu, would not be an envious person, would not be a harsh, would not be an angry person. He would be a loving person, he would be a compassionate person, he would be a kind person. So therefore, when we say the quality of a sadhu is, for, is to be forgiving, forgiving goes along with love. And you, you see it in the behavior of any great devotee, that no matter how people treat him or her, no matter how wicked, wretched, sinful, blasphemous people are, the saintly person always prays for them, always prays for their welfare, and he never takes offense. So, therefore, because we want to become saintly persons, we want to become loving, compassionate saintly persons, then we want to practice forgiveness. Now it's interesting that sometimes we may consider ourselves to be very compassionate, very loving and kind and have very strong grudges and feelings of resentment 
towards individuals. Last week, I mentioned something which is really important to understand what resentment is. And I said, imagine resentment to be a knife. You're holding this knife in your hand. And with this knife, you're stabbing the person who has hurt you. That's your resentment. You use, the, you use resentment to punish the person who has hurt you. And there's a saying that envy is like drinking poison, you drinking poison, but hoping the other person will die. So we think we're actually stabbing this person with this resentment. But where does the resentment lie? It lies here within our hand, and, and more accurately, it lies within our heart. That's, that's where it resides. So we think, I'm punishing this person with my resentment, but because the resentment resides within my heart, I'm actually punishing myself. It's a poison. It's toxic. Any, any of the qualities which are considered of the lower modes of nature, and resentment being one of them, are toxic. Just like we always talk about purification. Chant the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, you'll become purified. Do sadhana, read, study, rise early, bathe, you'll become purified. So, if we weren't toxic, we wouldn't need to be purified. But we are toxic. And holding on to resentment is one form of intoxication, toxicity within the heart. Pure devotee doesn't have that. So, the other point, very important point we made last week, was the, the feeling that I can't forgive. And if we can't overcome that and come to the realization that I can do it, then we get stuck on that platform. And then, and then we'll always have so many excuses to validate why we can't. And, and we really, you really don't want any, any excuses why you can't forgive. You don't want any. But if you say, I can't, that means most likely that there are excuses that are controlling that decision. Now, I know some of you are thinking that if a person has done something to me, and if I forgive them, then I am condoning that behavior. That's not true. If I forgive them, I may be even encouraging or allowing that behavior to continue. That is not true either. You, you don't condone by forgiving. Forgiving is a very personal thing. It's a spiritual practice. If, just like there's a saying, hate the sin, not the sinner. So, a person has done something wrong, and you can recognize this was wrong, this was sinful. But at the same time, you can forgive the person, even though you may even instruct them. You may even take them to court, pursue legal action, whatever, to prevent them from committing that activity again. At the same time, within your own heart, you can forgive that person. You can, you can dissect the two activities of forgiveness and how externally you may, it may be necessary to deal with that person for your own protection, 
for your own sanity or for the protection and sanity of others. So, you know, just like, we, you know, you, you may be thinking, well, oh, Mahatma is saying forgive them. This person molested my child. How can I forgive them? This person must be taken to court. Justice must be laid down for this person. That's fine. I, I don't disagree at all. At the same time, within your heart, you can forgive that person because, as I said again, if you don't, you're carrying something toxic within you. And it's going to make it... It's already difficult enough to be Krishna conscious. It's going to make it even... <laughs> you know, you don't need more toxicity. And I... You know, if if you look at... Look at, like, like the... the um, Synergy between criticism, envy, resentment. You know, they're all like, you know, they're all just like tightly to bond, bound together. And so if you give up one, the others will fall apart. And we all have a very strong tendency towards criticism, to look down on people, to judge people according to our particular standard. And we all, you know, have, we, we have a, a high level um, of self-importance. We we deem ourselves very, very important, and therefore, if someone doesn't treat us properly, we may feel that that person has offended us, and then we become critical of that person. Our person may do something we don't agree with. It may be my opinion only that I think he, sh he or she should have done it another way, but we may become very critical. So we 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 all have that nature. That that's it's nothing new. It's nothing unusual. We all have it. And we can see this, you know, these, these it's like it's like pillars that are holding holding up material life, Criti criticism, envy, resentment, and so forth. Lack of tolerance. And and we know in Krishna consciousness if we offend Vaishnavas it, it can uproot our, our bhakti creeper. So the proper mood or mentality which we want to develop is to come to the position where we do not feel offended by people so-called offending us. And that we, we do not have the propensity or we don't have the need to see the faults in others. It's, it's actually a need. It's like a survival instinct. I need to find faults. It's interesting you think, no, I don't really need to do that. It's not a need. Well, the conditioned side of us needs to do that. Otherwise, why would we do it? I mean, you know, look at the news. People, they need to criticize politicians. They need to, the radio show hosts need to do that to feed the appetites of the people who want to hear all these horrible things. And, you know, you look at all the, the um, magazines about the movie stars and all the bad things they're doing. You know, people, it's like they have a need for it. It's a conditioned tendency. And it makes, in a sense, makes us feel better if we can see people in a bad light. So, as devotees, we want to just, like, chop those legs down. Criticism, envy, not easily done. But that's the idea, at least by practicing it. So, so I just want you to, I'm saying this because I want you to understand that resentment is one aspect of what, of what is, you could say, holding us or binding us in conditioned life. It's just it's it's true. It's connected with envy and criticism and and so forth. And and 
you know, we are practicing to be devotees. And so we're practicing to act and think in a certain way. And it's always important when we are struggling to act in those ways to pray to Krishna to give us the intelligence and to give us the strength to be able to act properly because it's not always going to be easy. We, as, as I was saying, when we have resentment, there's a lot of attachment to that resentment. A lot of times we feel we can't give it up or it's going to be difficult to give up. But what does that mean? Just analyze. When you say, I can't give something up, what are you saying? You're saying, I'm attached to something. Say, no, give that up. Like, I can, I can, you may say, oh, I have this issue with this person. And I can easily say, well, that sounds like it's really hurting you. That doesn't sound like it's helping you in any way. It sounds like it's really making you miserable. So I advise you to give it up. It's very easy for me to say that. And from my point of view, it looks like something is, it's really bad for you. And, and so I'm thinking, by talking to you, I'm thinking, well, what's the problem? Why are you holding on to this? It's like you have this knife and you're just poking, poking this knife in your heart. Why don't you just give it up? It sounds very easy. But for you, you'll say, That's just, it's easy for you to say that, but I can't do that. It's not so easy. So when we say we can't give up something, it means we're holding on to it. Right? We're holding on to Here's my knife. I'm holding on to it. And I say, well, just give your knife. Give up your knife. Stop stabbing the person. No, I can't. It's, it's too difficult to give up. And I'm saying, why is it difficult to give up? Uh, and ultimately, all you can say is, I'm attached to stabbing. I'm stabbing the person and I'm attached to it for some reason. I mean, really... Let's be objective about resentment. What is it? There's something in me that wants to retaliate against this person or this organization that's giving me some kind of perverted pleasure if I can get back at them. I mean, so I'm attached to doing that. I'm attached to talking about it. I'm attached to in any way making that person's life miserable or making that organization's life miserable, whatever it is. So it goes very deep. It goes extremely deep. It goes so deep that we may not even be recognizing that that's what's going on. Drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. I have this knife and I'm stabbing, but I'm stabbing my heart also. And they're not getting the poison. Not really. So we're getting the poison. So that's a bit of a summary of what we went over last week. Important, important points. Now, beginning this week I want to bring up another important point that I that I feel serves an extremely important foundation on this subject and that is the principle of mercy in Krishna consciousness mercy is extremely important in our advancement and the reason mercy is important is because mercy is always needed whenever an individual lacks complete qualification to achieve a goal. Just like in golf, they have two areas where you tee off and one is the handicapped area. It's closer. So people who aren't so proficient in golf, they get to tee off closer to the green. So you could say they're getting mercy. So whenever qualification is lacking, mercy is required. If a criminal is brought to court, sometimes he may plea for mercy. Say perhaps it's a life sentence 
So he'll plead to the judge, please don't put me in jail for life. Can you limit the sentence, let's say, to 20 years or 30 years? Have mercy on me. So they've broken a specific law. The punishment for breaking that law is imprisonment for life. Now he's asking for mercy. He's saying, don't, don't look at the law books. Don't look at my crime and judge my crime based on the law books. Show mercy. So mercy is required or mercy is seeked after when there is a lack on a person's part, some lack. So we have a lack in Krishna consciousness. Therefore, mercy makes up for what we lack. We may feel that we have 100% lack. We have nothing. And, and mercy is everything to us. And for many of us, that's true. That's the case. We're executing bhakti only to get the mercy of my spiritual master, the previous acharyas, Lonitananda Sri Chaitana Mahaprabhu, to get their mercy. Without their mercy, we can't do anything. We're trying to attract their mercy, their compassion on us. That is actually the attitude of a devotee. I have no qualification. I'm only executing sadhana so I can get the mercy of the Holy Name, the mercy of the Vaishnavas. So, why am I saying this? Because if we have offended an individual, we've ever offended anybody in our hearts we are hoping that person would forgive us say I've done something wrong I've offended this person or I've offended this person's wife or son or daughter uh, I deserve to be punished I deserve for so many horrible things to happen to me but I'm praying that they'll forgive me that may have happened to you it may be happening to you now done something wrong and you're hoping that the people you've offended will be merciful to you because if they're not merciful to you you're going to suffer tremendously so you're hoping they'll be merciful right so when we are hurt we want mercy and when somebody hurts us we want to see them punished Interesting, isn't it? We want mercy for ourselves and we want justice for others. If you're holding on to resentment, that means you want justice for the other person. You want them to be punished. And if someone is hurt and you've hurt somebody and you, you want them to forgive you, then you want mercy from others, but you want to give justice to those who've hurt you. Now, here's a question I have for you. I'm going to end with this question and then we can have some discussion. If you are forgiven only to the degree if you're forgiven by others in this life only to the degree that you forgive would that be a problem for you? If you are forgiven only to the degree that you forgive would that be a problem for you? And if your answer is yes, then you need to work on forgiveness. Because you want to be forgiven and you don't want to forgive others. It doesn't work that way. So, now I want to see if you have any questions. Are there any questions or discussions? Okay.
Very nice question from Manja. Uh, let's see, where's the first question? We're just going back. <laughs> RT saying, how can a person, where's that question? Where did it go? How can a person, how can a person be tolerant when they can't forgive? Well, sometimes Srila Prabhupada describes forgiveness and tolerance as the same thing. So, I think it's best not to distinguish the two as two separate things. First thing, as I said, you have to come to the realization, you have to accept that you can forgive. You may not be willing to forgive, but you have to accept that you can if you make the choice, that you can practice it. You have to be willing to accept that. So, tolerating may mean that you've been treated unjustly, you've been wronged, but you're not going to retaliate. At least not internally retaliate. So, that's it's not easy. No one said it was going to be easy. Practicing Krishna consciousness is, you know, we're we're trying to become purified, and purification is not easy. So, okay, Mancha says, I beg your mercy if I've ever offended anyone here in this life or in the past life. Very nice. Arty, why would someone offend you? <laughs> Sometimes, um, we may offend and we may not realize we've offended or people may take offense. We, this happens quite often that people take offense and we had no intention. We had no ill feelings or no malice towards them. Okay. So Manjas is asking a very nice question. How can you relate Bhagavad Gita 9.30 to what we're talking about? Apichet Siddharachara. In that verse, it says, even if one commits the most abominable action, if he's engaged in devotional service, he's to be considered saintly because he is properly situated in his determination. I'm not exactly sure in what sense or context you are relating this verse to the topic. Are you saying that if that you want me to relate that verse, that, that if Krishna says, if someone sometimes does something <coughs> which is not considered proper, but the person is a cent percent devotee, but he may slip or do something wrong, occasionally, involuntarily, but his life is basically to serve Krishna, that we should not fault that person, but we should see that person as a saintly person. Well, in relation to forgiveness, one of the, one of the ways is that we try to empathize with the actions of others, why, why a person may have done what they did, and also empathize in the sense of, if I were in their shoes, what have I, perhaps, could I have done the same thing? Or would I have even done the same thing? And sometimes we may recognize that, yes, we would have done that if we were in the same situation. Or we can empathize, maybe we wouldn't have done it, but we can understand why they may have done it. And we, we, may, we may think, well, actually, they just did the best they could. There was a story of a, of a man, and he had deeply rooted 
feelings of resentment for his mother because when he was born, his mother gave him up for adoption. When, when Maybe when he was two or three or four, his mother gave him up for adoption. And as an adult, he still resented his mother for doing that. And through the help of others, he came to realize or communicate with his mother. And his mother told him that when she was young, he was actually a drug addict and she could not be a good mother to him. And it was the best thing that she could have done was to give him up. And at that point he understood, actually his mother did the best thing. But for all those years, he felt, he had very bad feelings for his mother. He couldn't understand it. So sometimes it's necessary to think, okay, if I were in that other person's shoes, would I have done the same thing? Or, or why did they do it? There must, they must have had a reason. Or, you know, if I were raised, sometimes, you know, you look at criminals and Think, how could they do such a thing? And, and you might imagine that if you were raised like them, you might be doing the same thing right now. Perhaps they had no father in their family. Perhaps their, their mother was a prostitute or a drug addict or who knows. And, uh, you know, their neighborhoods, there were all kinds of gangs. And, you know, they were in gangs since they were 10 years old. So, you know, if you were raised in that neighborhood, maybe you'd end up the same way, doing the same things, treating people the same way. You don't know. Okay. So, Tirthakara Das told me, you can't forgive if you can't forget. So I hope, I have hope. So I have no hope. How can I forget? Um, well, there's another saying. Prabhupada said, forgive and forget. And, but remember you may have to, you may not want to deal with that person. You may remember that you don't want to deal with that person. But there's another saying, forgive and don't forget that you forgave. But you, you may want to remember that this person is not someone that I want to be close to anymore. So that way, I don't want to forget that I've forgiven and I don't want to forget what they did because it's better that I don't, I'm not close with them. But But the point again is, it's your, it's, there's a saying, it's not between you and them, it's between you and Krishna. Say, so ultimately, it's between you and Krishna. Say, so Krishna wants you to be, Krishna wants you to forgive. So it's not really, don't think of it, it's, this is really can help you a lot, don't think of it as an issue between you and that person. Think of it as an issue between you and Krishna. That this is about your relationship with Krishna. Forgiving that person is about your relationship with Krishna. It may not be about that relationship with that person. That person may not even know they offended you. You may not want a relationship with that person. You may want to be a million miles from that person. It's about your relationship with Krishna. Forgiving heart is necessary. That's the point. Okay. Anything else? Anyone out there? It's between, not between you and them, between you and Krishna. Now, I have a question. What should we ask for if not forgiveness when we have committed an offense? Realize it, but are not ready to give up whatever it might be that caused the offense. Oh, man. You are in a predicament. Let me read that again. What should we ask for if not forgiveness 
when we have committed an offense, we realize we've committed it, but are not ready to give up whatever it might be that caused the offense. Um, you should ask, <laughs> you should pray to Krishna for the strength to give up what's causing the offense. Number one, you should pray to Krishna for the strength to be able to ask for forgiveness and to be able to serve the person that you've offended. That's the real, that's the real solution to the problem. All I can say is, in Krishna consciousness, we have to define what is proper behavior, what we should do, and then from that point on, pray intensely, chant intensely in prayer to be able to do it. We can't opt out of it and think, well, I'll sidetrack it. There's, there's no real shortcuts. We can, only, we can only be focused on what is proper and then pray and practice Krishna consciousness to come to that goal of doing what's proper and having the strength. And, and Krishna can give you the strength. If you think it's up to you, then you may think it's impossible. But Krishna, in one second, he can give you the strength to do that. In one second, Krishna can give you the mentality, um, the ability to drop the mentality that's causing that offense. In one second, if you have faith, he can do that. He can change your whole, the whole way you think. He can erase that samskara from your heart. But you have to want that deeply and pray for it and act in a way that shows that you want that. Otherwise, that, it will fester and it will continually cause problems for you. Okay, now it's almost nine and my eight-year-old daughter is here in the studio and it's past her bedtime. So I'm going to have to... Samskara eraser, yeah. Where they're selling those at Krishna.com. It's called Japa Beads. Samskara eraser. It's another name for Japa Beads. So I'm going to have to sign off tonight. We'll continue more. If you have any questions, you can email me at M-A-H-A-T at AOL.com and we'll get into this issue a little more deeply next week. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Hope to see you next week. Same time, same station.